Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 383. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and we're getting to the end of May, and I've got a, another part to my beautiful conversation with Linda Ty on grief and trauma and how grief can activate trauma that was there needing to be addressed and maybe it wasn't the right time. So that has definitely happened for me. And I'm grateful because as hard as it is when your trauma gets activated, having the opportunity to work on it and heal it is beautiful. And integrating back those parts of me that I had to detach from in the past, those hurt parts, fearful, terrified, devastated, abandoned, whatever, whatever they were. I don't say whatever as in dismissively, but whatever those emotions were that I had to detach from at the time that are coming back up now, bringing me home to myself, bringing those parts of me back home. And Linda led me through a beautiful somatic practice that was deeply moving and again, this is what therapy can be like. This isn't therapy, but this is what therapy can be like. This is the way I practice as a therapist. You wouldn't know it because in this situation, I'm working with Linda and she's more in a role of delivering interventions, not therapy, because it would be unethical for us to do therapy on 
this podcast, at least I think so. I wouldn't offer therapy on this podcast. And I just, I hope it's very clear to everyone that this isn't therapy. I'm on TikTok now. So I, (laughs) I'm learning about some controversies that have been going on with therapists or people saying they're therapists doing therapy like things on TikTok. And for the general public who might not know the nuances of what therapy is and what's allowed legally and ethically might think that you can get therapy from a podcast or from a social media account. But really what we're doing is teaching. This is just teaching. By sharing my experience, I'm doing that for the purpose of teaching people about what healing can look like, what it can feel like, and different ways that you can experience healing and different interventions and techniques and theories and methods that can be used in therapy. There's so many different ways to receive and give therapy. So I think this is a beautiful demonstration of what it can look like and feel like to use somatic therapy interventions for healing. And I'm deeply grateful to Linda because she does this for everyone's benefit. I found it beneficial and beautiful. And while I'm talking about Linda, I want to mention, because I only recently became aware of her work through one of the members of Trauma Therapist Network, a therapist told me about Linda's work. What, what they told me about Linda that made me want to learn more about her, I don't know why I'm getting choked up to even say it, but I'm just going to go with it. What the therapist told me about Linda that made me interested in her work was they said that Linda had mentioned that vicarious trauma or burnout that therapists and other providers are prone to or susceptible to, therapists and other healthcare professionals and other helping professionals, anyone in the healing arts and helping professions can be susceptible to burnout and vicarious traumatization that can be deeply harmful to us, our being. And what I was told that Linda said about it was that what causes this is moral injury. And that really deeply resonated with me. We often hear about moral injury as something that causes the deepest problems for combat veterans who are healing from PTSD. And, but it made so much sense as soon as I heard those words, because it's horrifying to know the terrible things that people can do to others. And if you don't have exposure to pain of other humans as part of your everyday job in your life, you don't realize just how much harm is done, how much Parents do harm to their children. Strangers do harm to other strangers. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so deeply committed to this work is because we need as humans, and this is something that Linda teaches very powerfully, we need each other as humans. We need connection. We are all connected. And it's forgetting that. Thinking that anyone is other is the problem. Thinking that anyone A person you see on the street who is unhoused, a person who's fleeing civil war in their country and so desperate that they're willing to jump onto a homemade boat to get out of their country and get to safety, a child who doesn't have enough money for their lunch at school, 
A person who comes into the emergency room sick and in pain, even if they're addicted to drugs and they are sick because of that and they need medication so that they won't be sick anymore. This is not other. This is this is all of us. And we have to remember that. I think for the survival survival of our planet, we have to remember that we're all connected. All humans, nature, plants, animals, we're all connected. So what I was going to say before I went into this long soliloquy here is that Linda Tai does amazing training for therapists and for anyone. And I'm in her certificate program right now for somatic embodiment. The cost of it compared to the average continuing education training is extremely low. And the quality is extremely high. I went to the first class last evening and it was beautiful. Linda showed up just the way she does on this episode. So if you're thinking about doing any of her trainings or just learning from her, please do it. You won't regret it. She's wonderful. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. There are a lot of pauses and my wonderful editor Pete really did the best he could to try to keep the pauses so that it doesn't go too fast, but also not have long gaps of silence that make the listener think that the show is over. It's hard with audio and we will be releasing this like the previous episode 380 will be released in full video format soon. I just, it's, there's a lot to do to get it optimized for YouTube and I'm just not there yet. I'm doing things as fast as I can, but a lot of things are moving pretty slow. So because I want to take the time to be deliberate and intentional with it and not rush it just for rushing. So if it goes too fast for you, you can pause. Just use the pause on your podcast player, whatever you're listening to, when you need to slow it down. Because I want to be sure you can take in all of this. And you'll hear Linda guide me as she did in our first interview together in episode 380. She'll guide me through a somatic practice related to what I'm feeling in the moment as we go. And I'm happy to share this with you for your benefit. I think it, I want to demystify what happens in therapy in a way that's safe and ethical. So when you work with someone somatically, this could be how it is. And it could also be less, it could be less than this too. So if you, if you just need to get in touch with, I mean, I'm already pretty familiar with noticing what's happening in my body. I've, I started training in somatic work in 2015. So this is eight years later. I've had a lot of training in somatic work and practiced a lot, but I also am still learning and practicing and deepening into my own sensing of my inner world. But the more I do, the easier it is. So I put a link to Linda's website in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about her and her work, please check it out. She's just a treasure. Okay, that is it for now. I'll be putting clips of this on TikTok gradually. So you can follow me over there if you want. That's at Therapy Chat Pod. And I'm also on Instagram at Therapy Chat Pod. So thanks for listening. If you like Therapy Chat, I would love for you to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It helps people find the show or give a review on your favorite podcast player. Take care and talk to you soon.
Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so happy to be doing a second interview with the wonderful, resonant Linda Ty. Linda, thank you so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. It's so wonderful to be back here with you, Laura, and with all of your listeners. I really appreciate the relationality that we hold between us. Oh, you say such lovely things. I just, I like, your words are just like poetry to me. I love it. So thank you. And I appreciate the relationality that we share too, that built from our previous interview conversation. It feels good to be back with you. Feeling is mutual. So for anyone who's listening and didn't hear our first conversation, we are doing something really different here. Linda, who has a newer to me, more unique, uncommon approach to grief work, I would say. I know that, you know, it's not, didn't spring up only from you, but the way you approach grief is so beautifully, I don't know, it just feels like you are able to tap into the wisdom of grief. And that's sort of just not a concept that I was really that attuned to. I was maybe wanting to be more open to that. But before we talked last time, I don't know that I was as much of a believer in the <laughs> the transformational opportunity that grief is and I and I feel since we talked which I'll I'll say for anyone who's listening and didn't hear this Linda had the idea that we would kind of follow me in my grief process while it's happening and normally I'm okay with sharing vulnerably about something that happened and this is happening right now so it's it feels more vulnerable because I'm right in it right now and, but Linda did a beautiful witnessing along with me last time. And we're just going to kind of follow that again and see where it goes because the idea was to be curious about what happens, right? <laughs> you know, there's a real gift of grief, which is stepping into the emergent space. And really, that's what we do as therapists is is we actually step into that which emerges in this relational space between us. And that in and of itself can also elicit the grief because we may not have had this experience before. And it can also elicit feelings of self-consciousness, which is natural. And yet when we look at the extreme form of self-consciousness, which adds some disrupted attachment or trauma into it, we have shame. And so you can't do trauma without doing grief. And as trauma therapists, we know that you can't do trauma without doing shame. And so then you have the triumvirate of trauma, grief, and shame, because for so many of us, we then experience shame over our losses. You are speaking my language. Mm. And so when we talk about grief being an initiation and the invitation to, to be accompanied 
on a solo journey. Because grief is a journey you can only do on your own. You can be accompanied, but you can only go through that threshold alone. All thresholds are liminal spaces that also hold the capacity for an initiation into the depths of oneself. And in a similar way, shame offers that same capacity that we can apprentice ourselves to shame in a similar way that we apprentice ourselves to grief and sorrow as great teachers of the human condition. Wow. So now I'm like, I'm thinking about how will I, how will I apprentice myself to shame? That's a, oh gosh, it's like shame. I don't want you. (laughs) I don't like you, shame. (laughs) But I didn't like grief either. So I guess I can, I guess I can make friends maybe. But it's confusing because shame makes you think that what you feel is bad and wrong. Shame tells you that you're not how you should be, you know? Yes. And shame, toxic shame also says, if I feel bad, it means I am bad. Yeah. 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 It's like you have to hide that you feel bad. That's what, that's confusing. Is it shame making you hide or are you hiding because you're experiencing shame? Both. I guess that's the same thing. (laughs) Well, it's, if we want to slice it and dice it, it's, a reaction, and as a, a result of that reaction, we then engage in proactive strategies to avoid the reaction. Mm. And then and we end up in that approach avoid cycle or avoid avoid. And as you know, all of our clients come into therapy with cover stories. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes it's a case of my cover story is falling apart. Help me patch up my cover story so that I can avoid feeling the feelings that I would do anything to not feel and avoid aspects of myself that I'd rather not exist or not be there. And so we then hold someone in a relational space or enough of a relational space because it can be inflammatory to someone's attachment template if there's too much relationality where we can then start to step towards grief trauma and shame yeah and the complexities the nuance for each individual yeah this is like on one level I'm like this makes sense in my head and another level I'm like whoa (laughs) and I think I don't know I don't know what that is so I'm not gonna analyze it but perhaps if it's okay in this moment we can just take some breaths and allow that to settle from the head downwards. Sit myself up more. Yeah. That's interesting. It does go down. It like sinks down to the lower part of your body. And your voice shifted as well. Your voice actually came down lower in your body. Uh, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Now I'm like ashamed of my shame, but no, I think I'm just a little embarrassed. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are shades of self-consciousness. And it's that thing that I mentioned in our last time together, how for trauma survivors, exposure equals death. 
Yeah. And grief says all I need is witnessing. And the mediator is shame. Wow. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the, I should be feeling and not thinking, but I'm thinking about the, (laughs) the way that we, when we're abused and we need, you know, we're abused by a parent, for example, and we need to be connected with that parent. So we tell ourselves that the, you know, they're not, they didn't do something wrong. I did something wrong or they're not bad. I'm bad. And so is that how you're saying that shame is the mediator or is that an example? That's an example. That's an example. Yeah. Yes. And yet for me, when I look at the internal landscape of childhood abuse and neglect, as well as misattunement, what happens is we become phobic of our own inner landscape. Oh, yeah. As soon as we start to look within our relationship to aspects of ourselves, to our parts, to our inner landscape, is immediately often one of shame. Yes. And then we go into minimizing, deflecting, comparing, perhaps becoming grandiose or perhaps walling ourselves off. And so that's where having a guide or having accompaniment can be so helpful. And yet that's the conundrum. How do I let myself be accompanied when it's that perpetual sense of everything on the inside of me is not worthy of being held in the light of love? Mm -hmm. And I see that self-touch arise. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, immediately thought of how to seek help when maybe you haven't had the experience of being witnessed and then you're you feel that everything that's really in there is so if anyone knew my clients are like this is what you tell us that you specialize in (laughs) so I think I'm just you know feeling it from a different level here as we're talking that like The therapist expects the client to, it's like, oh, come on in. I'll help you. You can trust me, you know, and I'm nice. Don't worry. I won't hurt you. I'll keep everything private. You know, I'll respect you. You'll feel empowered. And they're like, um, (laughs) what? (laughs) I mean, even hearing that some might be like, oh, oh, this is a big mistake. Yeah. It's that piece I said earlier about how too much relationality can can inform yeah. the attachment template. Yeah, which is why there's been such a rise in psychoeducation materials, in The Body Keeps the Score, in books, in the lists that tell you that these are indicators or symptoms of complex developmental trauma and then you can learn things and put it into your head. And even that can be very evocative because that level of being seen through the research, what it does is it evokes that sense of I'm not alone. Yeah. Which is very emotional and very impactful for the attachment template that has learned to be okay with terminal uniqueness. Yeah. Or even thinks that that's the safest way. And that there then gives rise to another threshold, 
loneliness, aloneness. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I told you how last time when we were talking, um, I told you how when my grandmother passed away, me and my siblings and my mom all just seemed to kind of go spread to our corners and just be alone in our pain and not really be available to each other or to receive from each other. That's a trauma response. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm in pain, let me be alone. And so it takes a lot to be in pain and be with someone else, let alone be witnessed by someone else. Yeah. And it can feel a lot safer to be witnessed through someone's book or someone's YouTube channel or someone's podcast series. Yeah. Yeah. And like really no shade here. So much of my own healing journey was through forging for myself the information that helped me to make sense to myself because I needed that before I was willing to enter into my own inner terrain. That makes sense to me. I think that it's true for a lot of people to to really need to like get the cognitive part in there really well. And then of course we know what happens often and I'm, I'm certainly one who's struggled with this is that oh well I think what's happening here is, you know, and not being able to, even when we go to therapy and we're trying to be held, if you haven't had the experience of being witnessed in that way consistently enough, those defenses pop up and prevent us from going deeper. As well as the flip side of that, which is if you weren't held, you don't know what it's like to be held. So then you're being held, but you don't get that you are. Right. (laughs) and you don't know what to do (laughs) that's that's that reminded me of something that happened with my therapist where one day this is like kind of a standing joke with me and my therapist but I don't normally tell this but one day early in working with this therapist about a year and maybe six months in to me that's early so it takes me a while to warm up he, I was saying, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm just exhausted. I just wish I could rest. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And he was like, you can lie down if you want. It's this big sofa. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should blah, 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 blah. I had this big fight with myself. And then I finally laid down. Then he asked me if I wanted a blanket. And I was, I thought, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I thought, oh, I don't want to be a burden, you know. The blanket, that just seems too much. And then I thought, well, it would be nice to have a blanket. So he stood up. I said, yes, please. He stood up and he, and I was like, what's he doing? Why is he standing up? Oh, he was getting the blanket. Okay. And then he literally expected him to throw the blanket to me. I don't know why I thought he would do that. (laughs) But he, instead he came walking towards me with the blanket and I was like, what are you doing? I was extremely alarmed. And he was like, I'm going to put the blanket on you. And I was like, no, do not do that, please. 
I mean, so when you talk about not knowing you're being held, that's what he was going for. He was trying to. He was meeting me where I was. He was asking, but I still, my system, my nervous system was like, danger, danger. And it's, you know, it's like two things. It's like, you know, power differential and gender and my position I'm lying down and he's coming over towards me with a blanket but also it was like the attachment aspect of it was like mm. for you to I get chills right now when I think about it it's like and that's so sad because he was really trying to comfort me and I was just really not ready to receive that at all let's stop thing into the door <laughs> sure <laughs> You know, when there's been stillness in terror, it's really hard to experience stillness in safety. And when there's been stillness in terror as a result of someone else, it's really hard to experience stillness in safety in connection. Right. Yeah. And therefore, being in control and feeling like you know what's going to happen is important. If you, you know, if the other is potentially dangerous, even in a, a situation of nurturance or kindness, yes. it's really confusing. Mm -hmm. And it's even more confusing if there was grooming, if there was people that you trusted who then were untrustworthy and would. Yes. Yeah. People who were safe at times, but they weren't safe at other times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the inconsistency of that is really damaging to someone's attachment template. You know, for a long time, Laura, I actually taught meditation to the general public as well as in early addiction recovery. And as we know, so much of addiction is underpinned by trauma. And I learned very quickly that a silent-seated stillness is contraindicated for a lot of people out there. And... And to develop ways in which to work with this and around this, as well as to offer ways in which someone can begin to experience relative stillness in relative safety, in relative connection, that can open up the possibility of being able to be in the present moment. Because when we look at trauma, it's a bit of a misnomer. We call it PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and yet trauma is also the development of future-oriented survival strategies. Mm. And so we're not able to live in the present moment in relationality with ourselves and with others. Yes, I see. Yes, it's like you're both getting, when your trauma gets activated, you're back then when that thing happened, but also you're well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or you're just sort of without, you know, again, that much thought, you're just anticipating danger or threat. Yes. Yeah. Would it be okay to shift from the head and into the body? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to invite you, if it's okay in this moment, to, to take some breaths and to perhaps begin to shift the energy from the head, sort of perhaps down towards the body. Down to where? <laughs> towards the body. Okay. Was the idea of the possibility of the body. <laughs> body. Right. Body. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> sorry. You can start again if you want. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, Laura, I'm going to invite you in this moment, if it's okay, to pause and to perhaps tune inwards, if it's okay, to allow the brilliant mind to rest just a little bit so that we can begin to settle in towards the body and to begin to notice how you're doing. And I'd like to invite you, if it's okay with you, to place a hand on the heart, a hand on the belly, or some variation thereof, or any other form of self-contact that feels emergent for you in this moment. And I invite you, if it's okay, to send the message through your hands to yourself. I am here with you, Laura. I am here for you, Laura. From yourself to yourself. And if it's okay with you to allow your breath to energetically extend towards your hand or your hands and to notice what shifts for you, if anything. Perhaps a shift in the breath, a shift in the spine, a shift in muscle tension, a shift in where you notice your centre to be. Perhaps rocking emerges, perhaps a lengthening of the spine, perhaps a softening of the eyes or the face or the jaw. Notice what it's like to hold yourself in this way. I'm here with you, Laura. Say your hands from yourself to yourself. Notice what it's like to be held in this way. Notice the person that you are holding and notice if you would like to shift the way in which you are holding this person. It may be a shift in the placement of your hand or hands. It may be a shift in the way in which you're holding, a shift in pressure, a shift in. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Perhaps a, a vigorousness or a tightness or the, a looseness of the hold, gentleness or a firmness. Notice once again what it's like to be held 
with much tenderness and gentleness and patience and kindness or whatever is emergent for you in this moment. Feeling free to shift how you are holding, the way in which you are holding yourself, the placement of the hands to offer yourself just the right touch and notice what it's like to be held just exactly how you want and need to be held in this moment. Allow your thoughts to arise and pass like little fish that swim on by. Notice the support, the chair beneath your body and notice what it's like inside your body to receive this support. And if your tears could speak, Laura, what would they be saying to you? And if it feels okay with you, I invite you to cup your hands over your mouth and to say these words to yourself. Whether it's out loud or a whisper or as a silent acknowledgement, and then to take these hands that have these words and to place your hands on your body wherever you would like to. And a breath emerges and then your hands settle. Smile emerges. Your body did a little wiggle, rocking wiggle. <laughs> feel, feel very different. Mm. Thank you for that. What are your hands saying to your body now? <laughs> What's my throat saying? My hands are saying it's okay to be held. And what my tears were saying was, so, well, I mentioned to you that I'm going to see family tomorrow. And my tears were saying, you're focusing on comforting everyone else and not yourself. And that's a, you know, an old, old way of mine. And it sounds like there's some grief around that. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm telling myself to be, allow my grief to be here, but I think Allowing my grief to be held hasn't been happening. I'm putting myself forward to help other people with their grief. That feels right, but I'm grieving too. And I wonder if we can replace the but with and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I'm grieving too. They're not mutually exclusive. Right.
Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. I've noticed that I'm very much in since this experience started, I've noticed that my focus has been, you know, how's everybody doing? I I mentioned last time how it felt like you want to come together as a family to help each other. Maybe I'm wanting people to help me. Maybe it's more about that, you know. But it's also, and it's also the question of what's my part here? This isn't my primary. I'm not the focus of this whole thing. I'm not the most grieving person here. Or do these, are these people even who I would seek comfort from? (laughs) And I'm not saying. I'm (laughs) honest. And I'm not saying that this is you, Laura. I'm just saying that this is something that's that's common amongst all of us. Is we we give away that which we deeply want to receive from others. Yeah, yes. In the hope that they'll give that to us. You know, that's very that that is common. Not saying that that's what you're doing. And we can also be looking for love in the wrong places. Right, the ladder can be up against the wrong wall. We're going to the barber shop trying to get a carton of milk. Right. Yes. And with this somatic guided piece, it allows for the possibility of me being open to myself Mm -hmm. about what it is that I, that is actually going on underneath. And I was tracking your body and being with you. So for the people listening, if you didn't vibe with it, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Sharing a process, yeah, with you and to be able to recognize what your needs are when the survival strategy and role within the family of origin is to hyper-orient to other people's needs. hmm Yes. And grief can bring up these tension points as well as an awareness of our roles in family systems. And it can offer us also a new relationship with ourselves, our needs, and our grief and our losses that can give us the possibility of something new as we move forward. And it can also be a lot. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot because in this moment, there can also be the added layer of the grief of the family of origin, the grief of who you had to be 
and therefore who you didn't get to become. Mm-hmm. And that could be a lot to hold and to unpack on one's own. And yet this capacity to be here with yourself and for yourself can be the starting point of being able to enter into the terrain of grief, loss, shame, self-consciousness, unmet needs, and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So I see that there's a hand on your chest. Typically that hand, it's a hand that represents you or it's a hand that represents supportive others. So in the moment, what feels more accurate for you? You or the what? It represents you or it represents supportive others. Oh. So the hand on your hand. It represents me, I think, me feeling resonance with what you said. So then you, too, as the supportive other. (laughs) (laughs) My attachment system's like, what's going on? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Not me. My attachment system's saying that. Yeah. The other hand, perhaps we could have this other hand represent supportive others. Okay. And I'm going to invite you to play with bringing that hand close to the hand that's on your heart and to just play with what feels like the right distance. This is so funny because as soon as it came like this close, I'm like, stop. Yeah, let's honor that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that this is the appropriate distance. Yeah. I want to see what happens if I bring it closer. Mm Mm-hmm. My system doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Like my neck's like tensing, my throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's have that hand be at a, a distance that feels supportive for you. I, it never ceases to amaze me. The body, the body's wisdom. Yes. Yes. And so to notice this and to acknowledge this and to honor this. It's like, I feel like from my body, it's like, that's my, that's my limit there. Yeah. That's, yes. That's my, that's what's right for me. Mm -hmm. And so now this hand that represents supportive others is like away from your body. Yeah. The hand on your heart is the hand that represents you and me in this moment. I wonder what it feels like in this moment, to experiment with the hand that's on your heart, coming off your heart to actually meet the hand that represents supportive others. Like this? Yes. Or like this? Okay. Well, that way, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm not experiencing it as like a blissful release or anything like that. It's like wariness wariness mm-hmm. it's not yeah. like a strong you know strong body reaction i can feel but it's just like a sense of like mm-hmm. well, you know i guess <laughs> yeah i wonder what it could be like for you to acknowledge this boundary with the supportive others in your life mm. 
It's it's funny, like just thinking of that. It's sort of like it's not like everything went blank, but it's like drawing a blank. Like, how would that be? What would that be? Or so then I'm curious about that. Like vision. Yeah. And then let's bring the hand that's closest to you back to the heart. I'm being so cautious now. I'm like, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Just yeah. interesting. Just curious. Yeah. yeah. And send the message through that hand that's on your heart. I'm here with you. Remember? What's <laughs> <laughs> <Who is> that? <laughs> Oh, it's like I can feel like warmth in my belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do notice that I needed to close my eyes too to be able to like be back to being with me for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what happens as you notice with your eyes closed. You being here with you for you and others being here to support you at this gentle distance. Yeah, that feels like supportive, safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And notice how the hand that's on your heart is there to create a boundary between you and these supportive others. And it's also here for you. What's emerging for you in this moment, Laura? Noticing that this front hand seems to be the one that's supportive of others is like tense. My arm feels tense all the way up to my shoulder. And, I'm not, and my arm's resting on the chair arm, so it's not, you know, I'm not really exerting much effort to hold my hand there so for the tension to be there i'm curious about that yeah would this hand or arm prefer to make a different gesture or shape Hmm. well it almost feels like i'm not sure if it wants to reach or this this feels more yeah feels more yeah. Authentic, I think. Mm-hmm. So let's stay with it. If my arm has a different energy in it now, it feels coolness. It's still tense, though. Oh, did that feel it wants to push out sideways? <laughs> I don't know. It was like, yeah, it does. That's like a long yeah. arm's length, too. Yes. And as you stay with that, <laughs> Sorry. As you stay with that, does what happens to the rest of the body, the torso, the tilt of the head, the you know, as you stay with that arm pushing sideways, the other hand on your heart? Well, the arm feels very tense. Mm. This, is a, this is a feeling that I've been having since this loved one pass is a tensing in my biceps that is just like for no 
apparent reason. So I guess that's what's emerging now. Uh-huh. It's like, I'll be, I'll be like, why are my arms? They almost feel like they want to cramp up in my biceps only. And I'm not flexing them. So yeah. that's weird. Yeah. So as you stay with that tension in the bicep with the arm extended, if we focus on that tension in the bicep with the hands like to, with the hands, what would the hand like to do? As you stay with the tension in the bicep, what would the hand like to do? It's, it's doing like this. Okay. Okay. So. Posing. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't want to do this. It doesn't want to do that. It's like going like this. Okay. Well, it's like doing, it's like doing this. Okay. Yeah. It's let's trust in the organicity of the body and let's have your hand do that, but let's slow it right down. Like. 10% speed and let's see if any new information emerges. Uh, This is interesting, but my whole arm is just like tense and hurts. It's like, it's my shoulder, it's my upper arm and bicep and my, and the back of the arm and my forearm. And my wrist, my fingers, and the palm of my hand, like each place has its own like tension and pain that it's feeling right now. And it's like Mm -hmm. even hard to hold my arm up, sort of. Would it be helpful to offer support to that arm so that you can explore? Okay. I mean, that feels a lot better. But I don't think it's just the... uh, like an exertion thing of holding my arm like that. I think it's some, I think it's something that my body's trying to send a message about. Tell me something, you know? Okay. Yes. This is okay. So as you slow down that motion, is there the desire to push with that palm wide open? And as you slow things down, is there the desire to hold something in that hand or does it want to become a fist? I'm telling you, I thought it wanted to become a fist. (laughs) I mean, I didn't just think it wanted, I suspected it wanted to become a fist, but I'm not sure what that is. Let's actually explore slowly. And let's see what emerges. Because what can happen is we we stay we, we stay here, yeah, until we we begin to slowly explore and see what yeah, what the story that's held in the body is. Mm. I said, "Don't go." <laughs> Would it be okay to take that fist that says "Don't go" and to? <sighs> And just let that that fist that says don't go, let it know that you're here. I hear you. And begin to notice what happens to the rest of the arm and shoulder as you attune to the fist that says don't go. It feels more, it's like it's the tension that was there is kind of slowly dissipating yeah the now I have a lot of like 
tension in my throat. Mm-hmm. Feel more compassionate toward the sensation too, because it's like loss. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> so allow that compassion to be here in this moment through the right hand and the way in which you are holding the hand that's a fist that's saying don't go. And through your right hand, you can perhaps send the message. It's okay that you hold on for as long as you like. I get that. And I'm here with you. I'm not going to make you let go. If you want to squeeze more tightly, you can. If you want to loosen your grip, you can. I'm here with you, however you are. Ooh. And I noticed that you began to rest in your back body. Felt an, I felt like an unclenching inside. I was like, from de- the bottom to the, you know what I mean? Like just this like different parts, like my hips went and my pelvic floor went like all of it going up though. And then it was like, okay, it's okay to rest. Yeah. Like yield, right? Yes. To yield, to be held. So powerful. So let's stay with. And you can send whatever messages through the right hand you want to send. I've got you. Take all the time that you need. It's okay to be held. Whatever it is that's emergent for you, that your left hand, that's a fist that says, don't go would like to hear from you. It's it's surprising that the it it was surprising to me when you said that the one one hand could say to the other hand, you can hold on as long as you want to. Instead of saying, it's okay to let go. That's <laughs> like kind of what I thought you were gonna say. So right? What does that tell you? Yeah. Machine. It's like my my mind didn't have the possibility that it could be that it's okay to hold on. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's okay to hold on for as long as you'd like to. And perhaps the hand that's on top would like to offer some holding rather than covering. And hold, hold, rather than holding in this way, perhaps it's sliding the hand inside, or perhaps sliding the hand inside. Wrong. Yeah. I'm just trying to see what feels good. And it can also be using your jacket and going, hold, like, or a shirt. You know, you can just go to the hold. So that you actually have something in oh, there I see. at the hand and then you can support, you can say, you can hold on for as long as you like. It's okay to hold on for as long as you like. You don't ever have to let go. Parts. Parts. 
That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is nice. Mm-hmm. So let your parts take in this message. We can still have relationships with people after they're no longer in our lives. You don't ever have to let go of the relationship. Mm. And you saying that, it brought up for me two things. One is, I believe that. I believe that. For other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, I mean, I I do believe that. Like, I feel my grandmother with me and I feel the connection of my grandmother feels very real and tangible, even though her physical body is not here. Mm -hmm. But when I think about my parents who are alive and I think about them dying, it's like it doesn't it's harder to access that belief because. There's a very, a big sense of fear about losing them, but that all ties into what we're talking about with this loss stuff that's coming up. It's not just about fear of mortality. It's about the loss that has happened before that is coming up now as I anticipate losing them. So complicated. Yes. That sounds like a whole nother episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my Goodness, I see the time, yes. Wow. But you know what? What this speaks into, Laura, is that the death defines the grief or the loss defines the grief, Mm -hmm. right? The nature of the circumstances of the loss then defines the nature of the grief and that's where we bring in that nuance and that complexity for each of us. Hence the apprenticeship with grief and sorrow and the myriad of ways in which we can experience the nuances of all of that within our own individual lifetime. Yeah. This feels so important to being able to sit with people in their process that having, having that connection to your inner landscape that, because I'm just thinking how it would prevent us from we would stand in the way of people trying to go where they're trying to go when we're so afraid of what's going to come up because it's coming up with us as therapists or, yeah. or as humans trying to comfort another person or be with another person and being limited by, you know, who's in pain and when we're in pain and being limited by the pain that comes up. I mean, I think that's giving me more compassion for the people that I've been feeling sort of frustrated with their reactions. Yes. <laughs> full circle. Yeah, total full circle. Yeah. When we started today, you were talking about the pain in your hips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's what you were waking up with today. After having done that little piece around, you know, what was emergent, you know, through your hands and working with that, what's happening now for you and your hips? They don't, they were painful and sore and very tense and tight. 
there's still some, I can feel some pain as I move, but there's movement in them. They just don't, they're not pulling in like this, like I think they were. Yeah. Yeah, that contraction response. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what, if it feels okay with you, right, for for moving forward with your day and also seeing your family tomorrow, your left hand will likely be making a shape similar to the the the, the fist. Yeah. And as your hand is resting in your lap in that gentle fist shape, the seashell shape, um, I'm just going to invite you to imagine hold, just holding your grandma's hand or having someone hold your hand or you holding your own hand in your lap in this way. Yeah. And to see if that's possibly a resource for you as you move through your process. Mm -hmm. yeah. That feels very, very resonant. So just even imagining doing that, I pictured my grandmother's hand, my mom's hand, my dad's hand, and that feels like a good option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to put your dad's hand on your heart. It's like you can just have <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or even holding my own hand and imagining holding his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for exploring this with me and for our listeners, you know, to take what they take from it. I think some things you just have to experience or witness to understand and being in your presence is like that. <laughs> I want to thank you for your willingness to step into your own process and have me be with you through this, as well as being able to share with your listeners who are a, a curious audience, because I can explain what somatic psychotherapy is and how it works and what it's useful for and what it's effective with. And yet there's showing and then there's telling. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to demonstrate, to show, you know, somatic psychotherapy through one case example at one moment in time without knowing the fullness of you or your history, right, as a way of sharing because there's a dryness about telling someone. Yeah. And then detached. people are, it's a detached and then people are trying to figure it out and conceptualize it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. And and this like the first time we did this together will be released on video and audio. So people who are hearing it and might be like, wait, what's happening now? Is this thing on? You know, when I'm <laughs> quiet or whatever, you can also go and watch the video once we post that up. And I'm starting, you know, I've been sharing little snippets of the video already on Instagram from last time, but not the whole thing yet because it just needs a lot of stuff to make it be ready. But I'm very grateful for you, Linda. And I will share how to contact you in the show notes so that people can find out how to work with you. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to share? Just such gratitude. 
Such gratitude. You know, we say that the body keeps the score and the body does. And it tells the stories, the untold stories of our inner landscape. And so I want to thank you for your generosity of sharing some more of your inner landscape with myself as well as with your listeners. Hmm. <laughs> thank you for guiding me to to do that and, and for and for demonstrating this for for our audience i know it will benefit many people and people will say oh that's the kind of therapy i need yes yeah. well i know we have to wrap up for now and i don't know if we'll be able to do this again or not i hope we can but and whatever happens thank you thank you for this time and for what you do thank you laura Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.